Here's the truth. Everyone wants to make a difference. Don't you want to make a difference? With your family, your community, your church, your friends, your workplace, wherever you go, we desire to make a difference. That's what makes human being. We are the being with the spirit. And the spirit, when God made us, he made it with one purpose, and that is to make a difference by serving others, by making effort to save others, by loving others as yourself. These are the very fundamental teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and our God who allowed his son to be with us for a short time to serve and to save us. Everyone wants to make a difference. Now, if you think that you have not been making any difference, beginning this moment, you will make a difference. You will make the difference. A child, any child wants to make a difference. Mom wants to make a difference. Teachers wants to make a difference. Pastors and firemen and politicians, everyone, they step forward desiring to make a difference. Young man wants to make a difference. Old man wants to make a difference. Poor wants to make a difference, and rich, they too want to make a difference. And today, as we witnessed earlier, the same God's family, they desire to make a difference. They committed 10 years ago, they want to make a difference to the people of Kyrgyzstan by giving them hope, showing them what that light really looks like. Ben Rosario family, they want to make a difference to the streets of Kensington, Philadelphia, by giving simple bowl of soup to warm their hearts and also at the same time giving them the hope. The volunteers, they want to make a difference. Those about 1,000 marketplace missionaries, they want to make a difference. They want to go to workplace and live out and show what a believer really looks like and showing what our Lord Christ looks like. Yes, we all want to make a difference. And if life is all about making a difference, then we as believers, we are called to make a difference. We are called to live out and we are called to show what God looks like through us. Now, this is not an option. And you say, well, God is about free will. He has given us free will from the beginning. Yes, he did. After giving us free will, God gave certain commandments, certain things that he desired us to see. And that is for us to live out his way. And when you do these things, when you do these things, God is going to give you the favor that we be often talking about in making a difference. Matthew 5.16 clearly says, let your light shine before others. If you don't do anything, you're not going to be able to shine. More important thing is when the light is shine, it has shine onto others. 
What good is it if you shine the designer's spotlight only the light only shines on you? It's about shining the light onto others. It could be big light, it could be small light, it could be huge floodlight, or it could simply just a candlelight. We all want to make a difference. Doesn't matter what situation you are in, we can make a difference. Some time ago, when my brother died um, from chronic mental disorder, I was extremely um, saddened by it. And we had a funeral. And uh, my schedule uh, was such a way that uh, three days uh, after the funeral, I was supposed to go to a church in Baltimore to give a message. From there, I was to fly to uh, somewhere in the Midwest, I forget where it was, New Orleans or Dallas, whatever the place was, to give another uh, business talk. And during, when, when I heard my brother passing, the first thing I said, I gotta cancel everything. I have to cancel everything. Well, it's okay sometimes to cancel everything, but God really just took hold of me and says, you wanna, are you hurt? He says, I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. My, it wasn't too long ago, my sister died from stomach cancer. Now you're taking my brother away from chronic mental disorder. How am I able to take all this? How am I going to deal with all this? And I wanted to, that there's a gentle whisper basically saying, maybe it's not a gentle, it's one of those whispers saying, cancel everything. Just stay home, do nothing. But I had enough courage. I said, no, it's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay on course. I'm going to stay on course. I'm going to go and deliver a message to the church in Baltimore. And I drove down there three days later, somewhat against some of the uh, encouragement or the uh, recommendation from others around me. And as I arrived there, I decided that I'm not going to preach what I was going to preach. I'm just going to go and share what I just experienced three days ago. And I did. Boy, without me knowing, I made huge difference. There was, must be at least 300 people uh, in the evening um, get, gathering at the church. And I just told everything about what had happened. And after, I can feel, I can sense during my uh, 45 minutes message there's not a single uh, a people uh, blink their eyes. They're fixed on the Word of God. And when I finished it, uh, two dozen people gathered around me in tears and saying, you don't know what you just did. I've been holding this for years. I have my relative, very close friends who died the same way. You don't know what you just did. You just released me. You made a huge difference. You helped me to overcome the dark side of our family. And I was so encouraged. By making them, dif uh, making them the difference, it made my 
life different. I said, well, it helped me. And then uh, three days, uh, a couple of days later, I flew down to, directly from Baltimore, went down to that uh, Midwest somewhere. And then uh, I was standing in front of uh, uh, my clients. This is an annual conference that I go to. It's a pretty big conference. Several thousand people come. And I have many clients. I usually bring them to, together. Usually about 120 to 150 people show up. And we just uh, have a gathering. And I always give a message. It's usually about 15 to 20 minute message. It always includes the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether it's a business setting or not. I tell them about how I became. I thank them about their business relationship. And most that I tell them, I thank God for what he is doing in our lives. And I couldn't think about what to talk to them about because I was so still disappointed with the sad about the situation. And so as I was sitting, and it was about 10 minutes before my talk, and, uh, and I was sitting there with a few clients, about six of them, just getting ready to, uh, to start, and one person, one of my clients comes to me, tapping in the back of my shoulder and says, because of you, I live. I turned around, it's a guy named Doug Holmes. He's a director at the Penn State University. Did a lot of work for them. And then um, he was basically talking to the six of the clients that are sitting there. Because him I live. And then the, the, the other clients are sitting, so listening, what, what are you talking about? And I was kind of a little puzzled too. And he says, about several years ago, I was called in by my doctor saying, we did your lab test, and we have determined that you have a cancer. Tim, I did not know what to do. I was not a believer at the time. I knew God existed, but I did not go to church. I was not really a believer. But when that news came, when I had to face the death, I needed something. I needed something. I didn't know any pastor I, since I didn't go to church. The only thing that I could think of is that you, even though you're an architect, an engineer, you're a businessman, but I know you love God. I also know that you are also a pastor. So I called you. Unfortunately, when I called your office, you weren't there. You were in China somewhere doing something similar. But God has interesting ways. I understand then my wife at that time picked up the phone. All the administrative staff, they kind of, they're gone somewhere. They weren't around. So she picked up the phone, and she knew his voice, um, Doug. And she sensed something that was bothering him, that was been, so she calls me in China. Hey, Tim, I just want to let you know I got a call from Doug. He didn't really say anything, but I just feel that he needs someone to talk to. Well, like, it was like, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning over there, you know. So I looked it up. It's 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon here. So I decided to give him a call. And he was shocked. Are you back already? No, I'm calling you from China. So what's up? And he told me the story. Right there and then, I said, there's nothing I can do. I'm not a medical doctor. I cannot give you any medical advice, but I know one thing. 
I can give you a prayer. I can pray for you. I'm not going to just say it. I'm going to pray the prayer right now over the telephone. Let us pray. Is that okay with you? He says, absolutely. It's okay with me. So we prayed on the phone, and then we hung up. The reason why he is standing there saying, tapping on my shoulder saying, because you are live, because his cancer got dormant. I used that as courage. So when I stepped in to, to give my talk, I decided to give the exact same talk that I gave to the church. It wasn't 15, 20 minutes long. It was actually longer than that. And hundreds, some 20 uh, clients were sitting there, and it was, uh, the mood was exactly the same as it was at the church a few days before. There were tears in their eyes. When I was done, again, a dozen of people came to me and said, you don't know what you did. You made a huge difference. I've been carrying this burden all my life. I have a family member. I have a relative. I have a really close friend of mine who had gone through the same. And you just healed me. See, simply sharing can make difference. Simply sharing can make huge difference. When Jesus proclaimed that he came to serve and to save us, what was he really saying was that I have come to make a difference. He came to make a difference. And to make difference, do not dwell in the situation. And second thing is, you must surround yourself with the doors. You must surround yourself with the people who make differences. Stay away during those periods of time, away from those who are complainers all the time. This is where you need to use judgment, the discernment, the wisdom, as stated in the entire book of Proverbs. Yeah, you can love people all you want, but when you are in distress, you must stay in the world. At the same time, you must surround yourself with those who knows how to make a difference. You may have heard the story. I know I mentioned this one time before, many times, many years ago. There are four candles. There are four candles. There should be four candles right there. Well, let's say three candles. Hopefully the third one will show up. The first candle said, I am peace. But you know, these days... Nobody wants to keep me lit. Well, how is your life? Are you at peace? It this day it seems like that everybody's at war at each other. Not just the countries, not just with the terrorists. I'm talking about at war with the friends and family members, especially with the family members and church members. 
So this candle named Peace couldn't stay lit and diminished, and the light went out. The second candle says, I am faith, but these days I am no longer indispensable. Many are abandoning the faith. If not abandoning it, they're not showing. So the candle called faith begin to go out. The third candle says, well, I'm love. But these days, I don't have the strength to go on. It seems like story of what is happening around us. We are too interested in ourselves and we have no hearts for others. And the candle named love diminishes its light and goes out. And suddenly a child walks in looking at the four candles and says, where are all my candles? How come all of you are out? And the fourth candle gently said to the boy, don't be afraid, for I am hope. And while I'm still burning, I can continue to light the other candles. I can still make a difference. And the boy took the other, took the candle called hope and light the other three candles. The lesson is this. Don't dwell in the situation. Cast on Jesus because he is the hope. And surround yourself with the people who are making difference. That is why it is so important to be in a church setting. That is why it's so important to be in small groups who are making a difference. Do not stay on your own. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad company ruins good morals. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whatever walks, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fool will suffer harm. Hang out with the people who are making a difference. And once you are recovered, and once when you are able to make difference, then go and reach out to those who need help. And the other thing is to help others. This is a wonderful way for you to help yourself when you're in distress. Do you know where the hope really comes from? Where does hope really come from? Really, in practical sense. Well, of course, God and Jesus. But where does hope really, how do you experience the hope? How? You experience hope through people around you. You must never forget that. You experience the presence of God. You experience hope through the people around you. 
In other words, God uses people around you to give you favor, to give you hope. After I shared my story about my older brother, and I then shared the whole entire story to my staff in my uh, company, architectural and engineering design firm. A couple of days later, one of my trusted employees came to my office and he closed his door. You know, when an employee comes to my office, they close the door. It usually means they're about to leave the company. And um, he said, um, basically, he's leaving the company. And I was disappointed. But then he continued. He says, when you shared this story, you made a huge difference in my life. He says, what? What are you talking about? Well, you see, my close cousin, he died from it. And I can now, and it's been tormenting our families. And now I'm beginning to see my older brother having the same sort of symptoms. I, don't, I didn't know how to help him. But after hearing what you have said, I've decided, it's not, not his words, I've decided to make a difference. I am going to resign from the company, and I'm not going to work for the entire one year. So what are you going to do for one year? I'm going to take my brother, and I'm going to go one-on-one journey with him. I'm going to get in the car with him, travel entire one year, visiting all the, every, not every, all the states in the United States. We have a family members everywhere. So we're just going to go and stay there for one month, get another prayer one month. We're just going to try to really bond together. If that's God's will to, to help him to recover, and that will be great. And I am willing. I want to. I want to sacrifice my time and my salary and everything so that I can do this. So he left our firm. And we still stayed together. He did not return yet. He started his small uh, consulting firm so he can spend more time with his brother. And I give work to him time to time. Why do we need to make a difference? Because we are called to make the difference. This is not an option for us. We are called to make difference in the lives of other people. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It says that God created us to do good work. We are formed, we're made to do good works. It says that God has already prepared work for us to do. When the challenge time comes, 
He has already prepared for you to do something good with it. How do we make a difference? Many believe that they can begin to make a difference when they become an important person. When they have achieved a position of power. When they have some special talent. Bible does not teach that at all. In fact, it's just contrary to that. Just opposite. Let me tell you something. The quickest way, if you want to succeed in life, whatever that means, if you want life want to go well for you, if you want to do that, the quickest way to become, let's say, successful or powerful person is to begin to make a difference when you are not powerful. That's the model of our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't wait until you become in a high position to make a difference. That's not the way it works. I will contribute when I have a lot of money. It doesn't work like that. Making a difference is not about power. It's not about talent. It's not about high position. Jesus want to make this so clear to him. So if you look at Mark 10, and I'm not going to get into detail, it's about James and John. They challenge Jesus saying, between two of us, who is going to take a greater position? That's all right. That's exactly. It was two disciples go to Jesus and being with Jesus all this time. It says, like, Jesus, when, when, when you die, when you, you know, one day, you know, we're kind of all going to kind of go away or something. Who's going to take your position? He didn't, they didn't quite say that, but that's basically what it is. I was interviewing somebody last week for a project manager. This guy, I'm not sure if I'm going to hire him. He said, he said um, after the interview, he says, um, what's going to happen to, who's going to take over your position when you retire or when you're not here? I have another associate sitting next to me. It's going to create major chaos if I reveal that. I'm not sure. I don't think it's a good idea, right? But James and John goes to Jesus and said, like, Jesus, between two of us, who's going to be sitting right-hand side? Who's going to be sitting on the left-hand side? Who's going to be more powerful? And you know what the Jesus said, right? It's not about the position, Jesus said, it's about who makes the difference. Who makes the difference by serving. Jesus taught them, do not focus on position, do not focus on the power, but strictly on making difference by serving and by helping and by loving. God uses those who are weak to make a difference. God uses those who have been hit bottom of the pit to make a difference. God uses people who, are, who have been rejected. God uses the poor and, and even rich people to make a difference. I'll give you a good example. If you think you know the Bible, look at all these godly men and women that we praise about. You want to hear about their stories? Jacob, 
Everybody talks about God of Jacob. But God, Jacob was a liar. You know that. Let me focus on, the, on that side. He was a liar. But God used him. Moses, well, no, he stuttered. But God used him as a communicator. How's that possible? Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Abraham was too old. You have a hope. <laughs> David was too young. I hear this all the time. Oh, he's too old. He's too young. God uses all of us. John, the great John, he was self-righteous. You know some of them around here, right? Jesus, he was poor. He had nothing. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran away from God. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. No, that's seriously. And God still used them. Elijah, he was totally burned out. Noah got drunk. That, not to encourage you to get drunk. <laughs> Did I mention that Moses had a short fuse? I know a lot of people have a short fuse around you. But so did Peter, so did Paul. God uses rejected, foolish things to make a difference. That means we have hope. That means we have hope. Your obstacle is the reason why you can make a difference. God will use your obstacles for his purpose. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, 28 says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. God chooses the rejected, the weak ones to make difference. Growing up, I was rejected. I was ridiculed. I was mocked. But God used me to make a difference. And God will use you to make a difference. Before I became a pastor, before I wrote the book, P31, before I appealed in KBS, before all these things that had happened to me, for example, I was making a difference. And you can do the same thing. If you make difference, God will see. Before all of that, no one knew who I was. I only had one thing to live for. After my obstacle, after my heart transplant surgery, I learned only one thing, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I used that model. I used that word of God in my way to make a difference. The first thing I did was to help the soup and kitchen in the Lansdale. Nobody knew how I was. I just went there and helped that soup and kitchen in Lansdale to feed the poor. I sacrificed my time, my resources, 
I dragged my family into it, my church at that time, and into the community. All of it was done simply to make a difference. Before I was a pastor, before I did all I have done. And because God knew it was so good, God used used you more and more and more. The story is the same with Jesus. He was rejected. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. But God used his son to make a difference. Before he was known to be Christ, before he was Savior, before he was known as the King of Kings, he lived his life only to love the neighbors as himself. He made difference by serving. He made difference by saving. He had no title. He had no position. But he made difference anyway. And because he made a difference, when we had nothing, when he was being ridiculed, when he was mocked, God used him in a mighty way. I want to continue to encourage our family, missionary, same cause family, for their continuing commitment to make a difference to the people of Kyrgyzstan. For Ben Rosario and the volunteers, for your Jesus-like heart, I want to encourage you that because you are making a difference. I remember back a few months ago when I went to visit him on the street on Saturday morning, and he was just so energetic, moving things around, carrying things, everything. And he says, you like doing this, don't you? And he said, I can do this full time. I can do this full time. And we're going to help you to do that. And those who graduated from the Marketplace Missionary Program, you have committed to give your life in making difference for the sake of gospel in your workplace. And that God will use you. And all the members of our church and all the visitors who are now moved and touched by his word and knowing that he is the hope and that so that you may have the confidence that you can make the difference. And when you do make the commitment, the promise from God is that he will allow us to soar on wings like an eagle. And when you have the light, and when you can help your light to turn other candles, and at the proper time, you will reap, you will be rewarded you will receive much, much favor that God wants to give it to you. Here is the promise of his hope. Colossians 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, 
especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us begin to make a difference in our lives and also in the lives of the people. And let them know that hope is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because in proper time, we will reap the harvest. In proper time, we will soar on wings like an eagle. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you uh, so much.